I, I sort of have, um, a bit of a, a, a word shift in my life that I don't know when exactly this happened, but, um, I feel like people walk around and it's, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And I don't say that, or I try not to, at least I, I like to switch out have and get, and it changes mm. the entire outlook. You know, Ugh, I had to get up with my son last night. No, you get to get up with your son in the middle of the oh, night, you know, I love and I that. think that, you know, oh, I have, I have to have four photo shoots today. No, I get to have four photo shoots today. Um, I think that that word spot keeps me grateful and it keeps me accountable and it keeps me grounded to, you know, it reminding myself that there are people who are not this, you know, they're not this lucky. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to help you become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. For those of you returning, welcome back. We're humbled and happy you've decided to continue on this journey with us. And we're so grateful for all the amazing feedback we've already received from you. For those of you who are new, welcome and thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here. Feel free to jump in with this episode, but be sure to go back and listen to our first episode to learn why we're here. A quick reminder, while I am a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but we also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on our website and click the link to find a therapist near you. Also, a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. Um, Like many of you, we are working and recording in our homes, and so we're surrounded by family. Um, At this moment in my suburban community, I'm surrounded by all of my neighbor's leaf blowers. They're all on right now. (laughs) Sarah's in her uh, basement storage room. I am. Um, And I can hear the tiny uh, toddler footprints back and forth. Every now and then (laughs) we hear the running of the the feet, pitter-patters, and um, we we may, in the course of this um, interview, hear a furnace go on at some point. Um, And then we think um, our guest, Jamie, had a a couple of little issues with her microphone. So if you hear some noises in the background, just, you know, we beg your forgiveness. And give us um, grace as Allie Klotz. Yeah. As Allie Klotz um, instructed us, you know, progress over perfection. Uh, We just want to get this great content out to you. And, you know, we're imperfect, but um, still pretty darn good, we think. So, um, you know, give us a little grace, like, like Sarah says. So (laughs) anyway, with that said, let's get started. We are thrilled to be here with Jamie Spear. In addition to being an amazing human, Jamie is a wife, mom to two of the most adorable blonde hair boys, 
the head photographer and owner of 1826 Photographic. For the past decade, she has been capturing the most memorable moments for families. I love Jamie's passion and drive for what she does. I admire her entrepreneurial spirit and the fact that she created a life she loves. She has openly shared, and I quote, I get to wake up every day and honestly say, I love what I do, and I get to make a living doing it. I truly feel Jamie is in every room of my home as I pass by the canvases on our walls and photos and frames throughout our house. They were all images that Jamie captured. Some of our biggest milestones in my adult life, Jamie has been there for those moments. Um, She did our engagement photos downtown, which was so much fun. Um, She also did our rehearsal dinner, our wedding. She did um, newborn pictures for us. And she actually did our um, family pictures last weekend. So it was really nice to be able to see Jamie. And one of the things that I will never forget, and I'm going to try not to cry when I say this, is she actually took the very last picture that I have with my grandma Jocko um, before before she passed away. And that's an image that I'm going to cherish forever. Her energy and personality are captivating. You guys, I could go on and on. But with without further ado, I'm so excited to share Jamie Spear with all of you. Welcome, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Hello. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm loving this podcast. I love listening to it. I feel like it's honest to God. It's it feels like my little uh, treat to myself. Truthfully, it's you know I listen to it a lot when I'm getting ready in the morning. That's that's when I oh, just have that's my wonderful. my quiet time. Yeah. I love that. I try and tell people like, it's a great thing to put in like when you're doing laundry or the dishes Mm -hmm. or, you know, just kind of getting ready. So there's a lot of ways that, you know, we can join you in those mundane moments. So, um, so Jamie, just walk us through kind of your journey with photography and how it all began. Um, so I, I always joke with everybody. I feel like they're, everybody waits for this big magical story of, of how the business started and things. And, um, for me, it, it all was like the happiest accident that could have ever happened. Um, I have probably the most accidental, what I think is successful businesses known to man. Um, so I went to school for graphic design, web design, and photography. It was kind of, uh, new media was the umbrella for, um, what that was called. And, um, I, I just thought I was going to be a graphic designer. I really wasn't that interested in photography. Um, I had done it in the past as far as, you know, assignments and things like that for art class, but it just didn't, it wasn't where I saw my future. Mm -hmm. And um, we, uh, my husband and I, well, he was my boyfriend at the time. um, It became very apparent that that was going to go further. And so staying in Sandusky was going to be where we were going to end up. And uh, his family has, they have a family business here. And so I had a graphic design job, which was fine. It was nice, but it was definitely not the fulfilling life or going to provide me with the fulfilling life that I wanted. And um, during that time, it was right be, right when I got that job, somebody asked me if I would photograph their wedding. They had heard that I had taken the classes and 
I was like, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not ruining your big day. No way. And they said, Oh, come on, just do it. Just do it. You can't ruin it. It'll be fine. And so I did it and, um, it, it worked out. I, I didn't ruin the big day and they told somebody and then I did another one and didn't screw that up. And then somebody wanted family pictures. And so I did that and didn't mess that up either. And it got to the point where I was doing so much side work that it was actually taking over my ability to do my actual nine to five job. And it got to the point where we were able to just say, okay, listen, if this is going to be a thing, let's make it a thing. And so um, I did my first wedding in December of 2006. And that is so, so since- I don't mean to cut you off, Jamie, but no, it's no, so please. interesting because I can't tell you how many conversations and Heather, I'm sure you're, you've had conversations with people that they're doing something, but then it's like they're, and I'm air quoting like their side hustle or their mm-hmm. passion project. And then all of a sudden, like that starts to p- spark that passion. They start to get more confident in it. And yeah, then they're kind yeah. of like, wait a minute, this is, this is like the real deal. I'm I'm inwardly laughing because I did not plan to start a business. I was working for another agency as a contractor and I formed an LLC basically to protect our finances in case Mm -hmm. something ever went wrong, especially with a client client website or something. And then I started taking side freelance projects and those, it just became, you know, it was 2080 and then 4060 and then 6040. And it just Mm -hmm. sort of, transitioned. And the joke is there's no business plan. There was never a business plan. And I went and got business coaching and I got mentors and I would say, I don't have a business plan. And they said, well, why do you want one? I was like, well, because I should have one. They're like, yeah, you're fine. (laughs) So I've got, you know, I now have a business canvas and I have some basic guidelines, but it's been this organic thing. And sometimes that's how it happens. It's an organic thing. You find you love something mm-hmm. and it just grows. Yeah. For me, it's, it's definitely been, um, you know, and looking back, I would, I would, I had a little digital camera and I would babysit and I would pose the kids and take their photos. And so looking back, there were definitely times where, you know, I, I suppose there was a spark of that at some point, but it was just not what I saw for my life. Um, my husband, you know, they have their family business and I, I was very interested in just being, you know, really supportive, uh, of, of the crazy hours that he works and just being okay, being the nine to five. And he is 150% the biggest pusher at, to say, no, you're, you're, you can be better than that. If that's what, if this is what you want, we'll figure it out. If you want something else? We'll figure it out. Like he definitely is, um, a number one fan when it comes to that. Um, and he always pushes me to be better for better and for worse. Uh, whether I want to hear it or not, he's like, you know, Jim, you've got this. You can do this. You know, if, if you say you want it all, why can't you have it? Um, and so, yeah, it definitely just became something that thankfully I was able to leave behind the nine to five. Um, and, and, and make it all work. It's, it's, actually still surprising. You know, we, we just built a new studio over the last year and we opened, which is, um, which is gorgeous. Like, I mean, the pictures don't even do it justice. Like it is absolutely amazing. You should feel so proud of that. I am. I am. And it's, it's funny, you know, everyone's like, don't you love coming to work here every day? And I'm like, I still can't believe I get to come here every day. Yeah. I mean, I've built it, but it still just feels like, how, how did this happen? You know? So I feel very, very lucky that I get to show up and do this every day for sure. 
That's awesome. I love mm-hmm. hearing that. So one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk with you is because there was a time during your photography journey, the business that you you had to make a shift or a pivot, mm-hmm. if you will. We've been talking about pivots a lot. Um, <laughs> yep. And you stopped offering something that had been a huge part of your business, which everyone, and I have to admit, Jamie, including myself, like I had some pretty strong feelings about this at first because I was a little bit taken back, you know, that you stopped doing this certain thing that I want you to share with listeners what you had said no to for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so so walk us down that that path. So, um, you know, being a small business owner and especially in a creative atmosphere, um, you start out just really being excited that anybody wants you to take their photo. Right. And it's like, you know, oh, they're interested. Okay. So, so you just start saying yes to everything and, and there, there comes more and there comes more and there comes more. And you just keep saying yes to it because you're afraid to say no. You're afraid if you, you know, in your mind, if you say no to one thing, no one's ever going to call you ever again. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to disappoint the world to the craziest degree that you'll, your business is just failing. And so I, there was a point where, um, you know, we, we had gotten married and we were going to try for a family. And around this time, I mean, I was probably doing about 140 family sessions a year. My senior market wasn't huge, probably about 50 of those. And along with about 20 weddings a year. So, I mean, it was, you know, nonstop photos, photos, photos. And, um, we started having trouble getting pregnant, which was very foreign to me, um, as far as not getting what I want. And I don't mean that in a, in a snobby, bratty way. I mean that if I want something, I will work hard enough and I get it. Mm-hmm. And it's not that way with your body always. Um, and it, it, I felt really disappointed in myself. I felt really disappointed in the process. You know, when you look on Facebook, it's just every day you open it, three more people are pregnant. And it just seems that it happens so easy for them. Um, and I have a very large family and it seems to happen very easily for everybody else. And I felt like the only person that that wasn't happening for. Um, so we were about a year, I'd say we were about a year and a half in, um, of trying with one loss. And so, um, I was, I was doing photos and it was, you know, till nine o'clock at night, it was dark out, you know, and, um, the family had come in and we were just about wrapping up with the shoot. And it was, it was that day, earlier that day, I had gotten the monthly reminder that it wasn't happening again for me and, um, which I dealt with. And then, so the family came and they said, you know, we just have one more photo. We want to get one more photo. If that's okay. And so I said, sure, no problem. So they're like, we want to change her real quick, their daughter. So I, I went in the other room and I came back and the girl, the little girl was standing there in a big sister shirt. And I was like, mm. hold it together, hold it together, oh hold it together. Boy. And so I held it together and I took the photos and I walked them out. You know, we did our hugs, goodbyes. It was a family that they were lovely. I, I mean, I couldn't have been happier for them. Um, but they walked out and I shut the door and locked it and literally just fell down. And it, oh. it was tough. I mean, it was a tough, it was a tough day. Um, and right before that, you know, I'd had a conversation with my doctor about, you know, some things need to change. You need to eliminate some stress out of your life, or we're going to get to the point where you're going to be needing to to see a specialist. And I thought, okay, so at this point, what is a sector of my business that I can eliminate and just get some more time to myself and still, you know, have some sort of sanity and still run this business and and all of that. And so I thought, okay, I'm not going to do families anymore. And when I made 
I, I don't know if it was a Facebook post or what it was, or if word just got around, but there were some really disappointed people uh, in my life. And I didn't send a message, but I yeah. was like, no. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it was like I cut off their arm, you know, and mm. I didn't want to do that, but it got to the point where no one knew how long I had been disappointed and you know, and things like that. And so I, so, I decided so can to, we, can we pause there yeah. for a second? Like, so a year and a half, you were going yeah. through that and feeling yeah. like your body was failing you. Yeah. Yeah. Did you and like walk me through like or, what or you were failing your body? Cause you weren't doing everything. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's, there's this, there's this, you know, idea that that's what we're here for, right? I mean, it's like that should be easy. We're supposed to have babies well, and things. Just and- like like breastfeeding, like one of the oh. hardest things, but everyone's yeah. like, oh, it's natural. Like it's supposed to yeah. be a natural thing. And I'm like, it's by far one of the hardest things I've ever done. But yes. I wanted to get back to the like, so for a year and a half, like, were you able to talk to people about this? Were you feeling like shame or embarrassment? Like, I just don't feel like enough you know- people talk about it. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, my sister was probably one of the, the biggest people in my life that I talked to about it. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I felt like I didn't, we didn't even tell people we were trying, you know, I mean, it's like the second you get married, they want to know when you're having a baby. And so then you have one and they want to know when you're having another one. And it's just a natural conversation for people to have and questions to ask. But, you know, it gets, it gets, it wears on you when it's not working. And so, um, I think our family suspected that we were trying. And then when, when we, when we lost one, it was, you know, um, we had told our parents after it had happened just to say, you know, it did work, but it didn't stick. So, you know, let's keep on keeping on, you know? Um, but I, you know, it wasn't something I was going to broadcast. I'm not really, I'm not really, uh, I'm a more private person about that kind of stuff. It was kind of, I refused to feel sorry for myself. So I didn't want to look at people feeling sorry for me kind of thing. Um, I never felt angry when somebody else got pregnant. You know, I kind of, it's not like there's only a hundred babies in the world and you getting one takes one away from me. And I just tried to keep that mindset, you know? Um, and I just tried to keep trusting in the process of when it was meant to happen, it would happen. Um, but it got to the point where when we started talking about needing to eliminate stress, And, you know, my doctor kept telling me, you know, just because you can handle stress doesn't mean that you're not stressed. Like you're a person that can handle a lot of stress, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I don't feel stressed out. What are you talking about? And she's like, walk me through your last week. And it was just nuts, you know? Right. Um, And so I think I wasn't even acknowledging the amount of stress I was under until those conversations, you know? Mm -hmm. And at that point, that's when I started to feel guilty of like, maybe I'm the one. I'm the reason this isn't happening, you know, and that was where sure. I had to take some accountability and say, you know what, I've, I've something's got to go. Mm-hmm. So when you then made that decision to not do family pictures anymore, what was that like? So I, so I left, my husband was working out of town at the time. So I left the studio that day. Um, and I went over to my best friend's house and we had about two to three bottles of wine because <laughs> we could. And, um, that was right before Thanksgiving. And I found out I was pregnant on December 16th. That is, that wow. is how much I needed to just 
say no. It was like I it was like I I, I made the decision. I put the post out there and I thought for better or for worse, I'm just not gonna open up Facebook for a while and I'm just not gonna answer anything. And if, if they don't like it, they don't like it. And I, I I feel bad, but I'll deal with that later. I have to focus on this and I have to put this first. And then it worked. It was I mean it was it was the craziest thing. Did you feel immediate relief when you oh, put that out there? Oh goodness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like I find I let it go. It's yes. gone. I can breathe. Yeah. Yeah. You, did you also have a mix of guilt or doubt or where you just like, nope, I'm done. I'm out. I I felt I felt guilty when people would say, oh, you know, but just, just do ours. We won't tell anybody. Just do ours. Just get <laughs> us in. We won't tell anybody. And, yeah. and I, I had to just say like this, this is my hard no. This is the yeah. line and this is it. Because if I say, I mean, everybody that I shot for, I mean, I don't have anybody that is a client that has honest to God not become one of my super good friends. I mean, I would invite any client I have over to dinner at my house. I mean, it's like you become these, you become family with these people. So there, yeah. there is no cutoff for me between client and friend. Because I, you know, I'm part of their family. They're part of mine. I care so much that there was no point in stopping if I was going to keep allowing the little one here and the little yeah. one there. It was there everyone was, thinks they're the yes. exception to the rule. Correct. You really like me, though, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> but you do ours still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah and, and like Sarah says, you have to teach people how to treat you. Yes. So you have to. Right. What, am I am I stealing the words out of your no, mouth? No, no. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just think because what I'm hearing you say is that like when I finally got the courage to say mm-hmm. no, it served me in such an amazing way. Not only was I able to get pregnant, but I also was able to be proud of myself for setting a boundary and not not flailing like you were able yeah. to set set that hard no set that boundary and people respected that yeah yeah it was like in the middle of winter you know when you walk outside and that cold air hits you and it just feels so good even though it's freezing like even telling the story now that is the feeling that i get knowing how good it felt to just say i'm not doing that anymore you know it's like yeah. i can remember what that felt like so has and you know Oh, I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead, on, Sarah. Heather. Oh, I was going to say, sometimes when we're about to announce a big decision or we're mulling over a big decision, there's so much anxiety um, imagining how other people are going to react. Mm-hmm. And it sort of gets built up in our heads and built up in our head. And then we do it. And then it's not that big a deal. Did you find the reaction was about the same as you expected, more or less? What, um, how did you know, that go? The world didn't end. So that right. felt good. Um, you know, I, 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 a little bit, there was, there were moments of regret. I would be lying if I said there weren't, you know, I would open up Facebook and somebody got family photos from somebody else. And I'm like, oh, well, what? And I'm like, well, you told them no. You, I mean, they asked you and you told them no. So yeah. there were like, you know, those little pings of like, I can't believe they called somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but then you just got check yourself and you're just so happy that they have those memories, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there were definitely moments of like, was that the right choice, you know, to go from doing 150 families a year to just, you know, not, not having that income to not having, you know, all of that. It's, it, that was, that was hard. Um, but it's weird because I feel like when I did that and I cut that out, like that was the, that was the moment that not only did my family start to grow, but that my business started to grow. I was on this hamster wheel of like, just shoot it, edit it, knock it out, shoot it, edit it, knock it out. And, and it was like, I finally had a minute 
to say, okay, this is like a thing. Where do, where do I want this to go and actually work on the business side of things? Mm, I love Total that. Dis- and- disclaimer, I have added families back on now that I have my two <laughs> boys, I've added families back on. Um, but it's in a different way. You know, I mean, I feel like people respect my time more. Um, I have two kids and everybody who, you know, works with me knows that. Um, so I think that, um, it's, it's a, it's a different, it's a different family business than I had before. And what I love too, is because like you literally had a doctor's order, like your doctor was basically Mm -hmm. saying like, you're on autopilot, you're just going through the motions, like you were saying, I'm editing and then picture edit, picture edit. And so you sometimes in life, like if we can just reframe why is this happening to me to mm-hmm. what is this trying to teach me? And right. so there were so many lessons through this, this hiccup that happened that you were able to say, you know what, I'm going to start saying no to things. I'm going to start to identify what do I want to invest my time in? And do you feel like if this didn't happen, you would have been able to pivot the way that you did? No way. I'm a different parent because we had this struggle. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm just, I'm different in a whole slew of ways. Um, you know, it, you, you think you know exactly at a certain point, you know, you think you know exactly what your life is going to look like. And then all of a sudden you face a moment where, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to get all the things that I want. And then, so when you get those things, you're not ungrateful for them. You know, um, I feel like I, I sort of have, um, a bit of a, a, a word shift in my life that I don't know when exactly this happened, but, um, I feel like people walk around and it's, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this. And I don't say that, or I try not to, at least I, I like to switch out have and get, and it changes mm. the entire outlook. You know, Ugh, I had to get up with my son last night. No, you get to get up with your son in the middle of the oh, night, you know, I love and I think that, that you know, oh, I have, I have to have four photo shoots today. No, I get to have four photo shoots today. Um, I think that that word spot keeps me grateful and it keeps me accountable and it keeps me grounded to, you know, it reminding myself that there are people who are not this, you know, they're not this lucky. Can I pick up on something you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about, you made this decision then you had your children and then you changed your mind mm-hmm. and you decided to do it again. And I, and I, I want to just kind of point out, you can change your mind. Yes. This a decision doesn't always permanent. And the other thing I like about that is it gave you time to consider how you would do it. Correct. So you could do it better or in a way that fits your life. And so, you know, just everybody point, you know, take a look at that because sometimes no means no now. Right. But maybe yes later and maybe, maybe yes in a different way. It was definitely, you know, and, and nobody, there was nobody in my life that was purposely taken advantage. You know, if, if I let somebody book an appointment at 10 o'clock at night or at seven o'clock in the morning, I mean, I'm the one setting that boundary. I had to figure out how I wanted to be treated. So like you said, Sarah, I could teach people how to treat me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that, that, that gave me the time to definitely step back and say, all right, what worked, what didn't work? Um, and then go from there. 
And what are some other like boundaries that you've had to set with your schedule and with, you know, maybe pictures that you've done in the past for families and they've asked you to do something else? Like, have there been other boundaries that you catch yourself having to like, wait a second, I have to check myself? Yeah, I mean, I think in this in this uh, industry, like most, it's really about managing their expectations. Um, you know, I don't shoot with a Polaroid camera. I'm not sure if people think that I do, but I don't. <laughs> uh, it doesn't just pop out and ready to rock. Um, so I think that I think that you know, I've I've tried to get people in a groove to say, you know, this, if you want it by then, this is what we need to do. You know, if you want newborn photos, we need to talk ahead of time. If you want something for a first birthday invite, we're shooting when they're 11 months old, not one. Um, mm -hmm. If you want, that's the, the mini sessions. You know, I, two years ago, I came up with the split mini. Technically, when you're, when everyone wants their fall photos, you really should be getting your Christmas photos. So I have time to edit it. You have time to get a card out in the mail and all of that. So then I, I just developed the split minis. You come in, you get your fall photos, you change your clothes, you move right to Christmas and it's done and over with and everyone's ready to rock. Um, so I think that there, there's definitely, um, there's definitely been a learning process for me along the way to kind of say, okay, if I expect people to know this, how, how can I, how can I condition my clients in a way that works best for everybody? Um, instead of the rat race of editing photos on December 12th, because somebody wants to get a card out, that's not going to work. You know, I'm not even going to set myself up for that. So I need to, you know, people don't know what they don't know. No sane person is thinking about a Christmas photo in October, unless I tell them to, you well, know, and you, you had to go through it to be able to figure mm -hmm. that out. Like, I think so often right. we just assume like, okay, here's what I want to do. Like, it's going to be standard. This is how it's going to be when actually we have to pause, take a mm -hmm. moment, look at, okay, what was working, what was not working. And then you figure it out. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned mm -hmm. educating your customers. And so we have a similar thing where we have the other client expectations where they think you sign a contract, they're going to have a website three weeks later. And so, or they think, you know, yes, we set up a timeline, but you know, it doesn't matter if I get back to you in two days or two weeks, you know, that doesn't affect anything. So we've had to make terms and conditions and that's mm -hmm. like a living document. And as soon as something goes wrong with a client, I think, okay, what can we learn from this? How do we instruct the next client? So this doesn't happen again. And it goes in that terms and conditions document. How do you educate your customers? What is it? How do you get them with the program? I, I, I guess I think somebody, I mean, it, if, if it's someone's first time, you know, I, let's just say I get a random inquiry to the website. What do you charge for newborn photos? Okay. So I, I answer that email with all the information that I can. Here's a link to the website. Here are the various packages we have. Not sure when your due date is. Typically we like to shoot within the first seven to 10 days of you being home. Um, you know, and all of these, you know, for the maximum sleepiness and posability and things like that. And so, you know, there are times where I get people emailing back saying I had the baby two weeks ago. Okay. Well, I'm not saying that I won't accept your the job, but if I'm booked a month out, that baby's going to be a month and a half old before I even see you. I'm not saying we can't take the photos, but this is what's going to happen. They're not going to be super tiny. They're not going to look like a newborn anymore. They're not going to sleep the whole time. 
if you accept that, we can go ahead and set an appointment. If not, here's three other people that I would check with to see if they have availability. Um, so I feel like when, when it's something like that, where it's like a first time client, I try to just give them as, cause again, people don't know what they don't know. There's a million things to worry about before you have a baby. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just don't even think about pictures. Um, sometimes we have people who email us. I swear the second they find out they're pregnant because they want to get on the book. So, I mean, you know, you just never know. Um, <laughs> but if it's somebody who's worked with me for a while, I mean, I feel like, um, there's a process with uh, both of us figuring it out, you know, in terms of how really they need to get in touch with me or, you know, they'll say, I know I'm last minute about this, but they've been such a good client that yes, I'll make an exception. So I think that there are things that, you know, it's just, it's just like a working relationship individual to each client. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'm really curious, Jamie, like, what is it really like behind the camera? Because as someone who has been on the other side of it, you've been shooting us. And I mean, my just this past weekend with, you know, the three boys and, you know, we were in the car, a hot mess express, and then we walk in there. And so I'm just curious, like, what is it like behind the camera? So I always laugh because you can tell who got the talk before they came here. Because they walk in like soldiers. I mean, the husband's like a soldier. You know, you can tell who, which mom laid it out there and paid a lot of money these for these photos. We got all new clothes. You better not disappoint me. Because they, I mean, they just... Right, right I am in. not, um, I am not normally like a bribery mother. Like you have to. it was all about the to. cookies. Like they knew yeah. that they would get cookies yeah. when they works, were done. Man. And as soon as I said cookie, Jamie, do you, uh, smiles oh. like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, I only have a job because of bribery, bribery. I mean, I, I only pair it with bribery. I'm, impre- I'm impressed that you can pair it without it. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I, through looking through the lens as much as I do it, well, number one, it has made me the worst person to take photos of. If my assistant Lindsay were here, she would tell you, I am the least photogenic person now. I am so, I'm so aware of how it looks through the lens that I physically can't even relax in front of a camera when I have to get my photo taken. It's like, I'm just so worried about what I'm doing and how I'm, you know, so I I think God made me really good at photos. So I wouldn't even think about getting in front of the camera. He just wanted me behind it. But, um, but I, I feel, um, I feel like I, I notice I'm, I'm always noticing little things. Um, my eyes never stop moving. Um, and I feel like because my, my job is, is so many still photos, still photo after still photo, like moments of time that I kind of look at life like that. Um, you know, I pick up on things that a normal person, it would never matter to, but I also feel like I, I experience things different. I think, um, tiny little moments matter to me so much. You know, there could be something on fire over here and like, I'm not, I can't even see it. I'm, I'm not even paying attention to like the big shiny thing. I'm paying attention to the tiny little thing that nobody really sees. And I feel like that comes through in my photos. Um, you know, I'll do someone's wedding and their favorite photo will be the one that they didn't even know I was taking. I love when that happens. You know, yeah. I, I, I like to make all of those little moments special for people because that's what life is. I mean, it's just a bunch of tiny little moments that just make up this big picture. Um, so I feel lucky that I get to look at things that way because um, I don't think everybody does, unfortunately. I, I love that. Like, I mean, I got like goosebumps as you were talking about it because I think at least 
and I don't want to make it about me, but like I have a tendency that it's hard for me to slow down because I have Mm -hmm. so many tabs open in my head and I have, you know, these three tiny humans and, you know, growing this business and all this stuff. And so to hear you say that through the lens, you're able to really zone in, Mm -hmm. you then apply that in your everyday life where you pick up on just being present and in the moment and not letting all of the noise around you, which, you know, it, it, sometimes it happens, but you're really able, able to, to be present. It's almost like mental snapshots all day. You know, I mean, I, Hugh, I'll, I'll look over at him, my oldest and he'll look and he's like, mom, why are you looking at me? And I'm like, I'm just soaking it in buddy. Like it just, I just, I I feel like we don't take enough time to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. or, or like, you know, my kids playing with my parents, you know, I mean, there's just at some point those moments are going to stop whether I like it or not. And if I don't enjoy them now, um, I think I do that too, because I, I have a tendency to not carry a camera with me a lot if I'm not at work. Um, and so I feel like if I, I read an article one time that, that said that if you, um, if you are taking a photo of something, your, your brain is less likely to register it because it knows you're recording it with another device. And so I try, I, I it's people constantly, but you take so many pictures of your kids. I mean, I do on my phone, just like every other mom. Um, I don't want, I don't want their whole life to be a camera stuck in their face, you know, and I don't want to be behind it their whole life. Um, I do bring it home and I do take photos, you know, like any photographer mom would, but that's not our existence all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I just, that perspective, that taking little snapshots, like of those yeah. moments, I, I just love that. So do you, go on, Heather. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was just going to say, I love the idea of just being present in the moment. I mean, how many times have we been to dance recitals or plays or something. And no one's actually looking at their child. They're looking at their phone, looking at their child. And I'm thinking, you're not taking in the full experience. You're not looking at the kid goofing off on the side of the stage. Like Like you're missing most of this and, you know, put your phone down, just, just be in this moment. There's time to take a picture later and who's going to go back oh, and, and watch and, it on and your phone anyway. things are professionally recorded and you can buy the DVD or whatever, download right. it or whatever, you know, and I, you know, a lot, a lot of times at weddings yeah. now they'll say, you know, everybody please put away your phones. We've got a professional here. You know, I mean, it is, it's crazy how many, how many moments are almost, um, stolen. stolen. By by your phone, yeah. You, they're lost. stolen from just the couple lost. yeah. Because all of a sudden they're all over Facebook and they haven't even been, you know, everyone's yeah. on the dress and she's not even married yet. They're mm-hmm. stolen from our brains because our phones are recording them, so we're not actually registering it. Um, so I try not. I just I try not to do that. Again, I do take pictures with my phone just like any other mom. Um, but I a lot of right. my job is spent through looking through a tiny hole. Like I can't have I can't have that be right. my family's existence. So, so you're intentionally choosing to be present in the moment when you're living your life. Yeah. I love that. And I think that it's just such a good reminder because, you know, and this isn't about to, if you're someone, because I'm guilty of it too, like I have my phone a lot and it's not that we want to feel shame or guilt if this is something we're doing, but we have to recognize we've been conditioned to do this for so long and just 
like you're saying, like be mindful, recognize it. And when you do just, you know, put your phone down and to also tell your kids like, you know, oh, this is a really, I really like the moment that we're having. I'm intentionally going to pick up my phone or I'm intentionally going to put it down, but using language to let them know like how the phone is being used, I think is, is helpful for kids. Or take one and put it down. I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to record your children all day long. You know, right, I mean, right. there's nothing against Snapchat, nothing against videos, nothing against Instagram posts. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to do all that for work. Um, so I, I mean, I think, you know, anytime you can record a special moment is really important. I'm not, I'm not at mm-hmm. all implying we shouldn't. I just think that I think at a certain point we have to say enough is enough and, and experience it live and in person too. Absolutely. And just like we were talking before, this idea of just being on autopilot, sometimes like phone is your security. And so you just have it with you. You don't even recognize it. And so this is just a way to remind, you know, listeners to just be mindful of that. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also, you know, just kind of wondering, um, and you had mentioned you don't like to be on the other side of the camera as much. Do you ever feel like you feel pressure to like capture picture perfect moments like for other people or of your family? Um, Well, I, I think perfect's all relative. And I try to Mm -hmm. remind myself of that, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that's why I provide people with so many pictures. My, my favorite photos, hundred percent, probably not going to be your favorite photo. You know, there are parents who say, Oh my gosh, I just love that one where she's screaming at the camera. I mean, that is her, that is the look she gives. That is, you know, like that is hundred percent Susie, you know? And so, I mean, that could have been one that, I mean, Oh, she, she's giving me the side eye. I should maybe delete that. I keep those things. I think that, you know, I always joke, what are we going to embarrass our kids with on their graduation boards? Uh, you know, when they get older, if we just only keep the good ones. Right. Um, but I think, I think there's a certain expectation that, um, I have to live up to, I guess, in terms of the quality of our photos. Um, but at this, I mean, I'm not going to have a grainy out of focus photo, you know, displayed on Facebook of my family, but that's the quality. I think the moments of my family are what they are. You know, I, um, we had an, an incident, uh, two summers ago when my youngest, he was about six months old and obsessed with my dad, wanted nothing to do with anyone who wasn't my dad. And we tried to get family photos after a full weekend at Cedar Point. That was not my suggestion, but, uh, we tried to get family photos. I knew it was going to be bad and and it was, I mean, I, I posted every single one of those photos and I said, I just want everyone to know that this is what happens at my family photos too. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's no rule book. They're in charge. <laughs> I can hold the camera all day long or Lindsay can hold the camera all day long, but the six month old, he's in charge, you know, mm-hmm. and right. the, the sooner we all realize that the easier the shoot goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was horrible the whole shoot. And then, you know, unless my dad was holding him, but in our family one, he is visibly screaming and like reaching out, like couldn't, couldn't want to get away from us more. Well, and because of that moment, now it's a memory, like it's something yeah. that you can talk about. And so when, yes. what I'm hearing you say is like, when I'm able to capture the personalities and just kind of like lifestyle, like you're able yeah. to see what these families are like to you, those are those quote unquote, like, perfect pictures. Yes. And obviously I try to give people, you know, I, I, I mean, I edit out the flyaways and I edit out, you know, if they have, you know, a scratch on their face, you know, in, in terms of perfect, I try to make them as polished as I possibly can. Polished, um, yeah. 
as far as the quality of it goes. But I, I do think, I mean, I think, it, you know, if the idea is that the camera is capturing the moment, let's just let it capture the moment as it is. You know, I think that, you know, life is pretty manufactured now, nowadays, um, which makes me a little bit sad. You know, every Absolutely. time I'm editing, every time I'm editing a newborn, um, you know, they, they come out red and bumpy and, you know, sometimes hairy and things. And I'm editing this out and I'm thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, I'm editing out the most pure skin. Like there's, there's certain like, craziness to that. Um, but you want it to look polished and refined and all of that. And I get it, but there's, there's a certain manufactured, you know, look to life nowadays that, Mm -hmm. you know, even if I clean up the rough edges, I still, you gotta leave the tantrum in there once in a while. Otherwise, what are you going to laugh at? I love that. Just love that. (laughs) So how do you determine like if, um, if a job is a right fit for you? So that, that's a tough one. Um, again, small business owner, you know, I think that, I think that I I would like to say, I wish I could say that I have a set standard of, I only take the jobs that absolutely put fire in my soul. Um, that's the ideal, but that's not always the reality. You know, there are the jobs that pay the bills, you know, there are the jobs that, you know, will get you to the next job that maybe it's not your favorite thing, but you know, it'll get you in front of three really important people that could be your favorite clients. Um, so I think for me, anymore, the biggest criteria is going to be, um, how is this going to fit in? And it's almost like the opportunity cost of things. You know, if you say yes to this, you're innately saying no to something else. Um, you know, what kind of, what, you know, if I say yes to this, what else am I going to have to say no to? What kind of workload is going to be behind this? And is the stress worth saying yes to it? Um, you know, we just did an entire weekend of mini sessions. Those are stressful. It's stressful, you know, being on all day, one family after the next coming in, cleaning in between because of COVID and all of those things. Um, it's a lot to edit, but seeing all of those clients and getting to see their kids grow up every single year and all that, that's a thousand times worse, the, worth the stress that comes with mini sessions. Um, there are some jobs that are not like that. And for those, I can recommend a number of other photographers that I think would be great for the job. Um, but anymore, it's, it's kind of, you know, especially the timing of the day, if it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, okay, cool. My kids are at the centers. If it's something that's on a Saturday or Sunday, it has to be worth my energy to take time away from my family to be there. It's just, I love, I wish listeners could see your face because like when you're talking about, I don't even feel like it, like to say job, it doesn't even feel like it, right? So it's not that serious around here. I always say that it's not that serious, you know? Right. But, but I just think like it's, it's so, I just love talking to people that truly love what they're doing. And it's so evident that that is something that you love. And even in those moments where it's not necessarily, and I'm air quoting again, like the job that we like or, you know, the shoot that we're doing, the fact that, we're able to have that connection with the people. That's what allows us. It's almost like that's our why that gets us through to completion. Totally. Totally. I love that you talk about the opportunity cost. Cause that's, that's a big, a big thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm constantly looking, okay, what's happening this quarter? What's happening next quarter? And I have this big calendar and I'm trying to juggle and I have new people coming in saying, can you do this? Can you do that? And I have to sit there and go, well, I know this other thing is coming. And if I say yes to this, I'm not going to be able to serve that client. And it's, there's a real 
equation you have to figure out. Um, and right. it's not just money. It's, you know, I've learned there are some clients that just yeah. are not worth it. And they're just, they're so stressful and so hard to work with. And then, and you don't learn that until you, you meet that client who's a joy to work with, who you just can't wait to talk to when they call you. So it's, it's, it's a real intentional, thoughtful process to decide what to say yes to. Yeah. And, 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 and there's to. an exception to every rule, you know, I mean, I, I this year I've probably True. said I'm not taking any more weddings in 2021, you know, we had weddings move, we had weddings that had already booked, you know, mm-hmm. and so that next year is going to be pretty hectic. And two brides have come in since then. And I was like, I can't imagine anybody else but me taking your photos, you know, so I mean, it's okay mm-hmm. to bend your own rules. You know, they know, though, if I put mm-hmm. you in, it might take a little bit longer to get your photos back. You know, again, I'm managing the expectation of I could be there that day, 100%. I will be there, I will be present, I will give you the best service I can. But adding you on to my already full schedule just means X, Y, and Z. And they're okay with it. And I feel like for, the more I can do that from the beginning, right? if I'm upfront with it, then you don't run into the, dis- the, the feeling of disappointment later that you're just not doing enough, you know, and just stay ahead of it. Yeah, exactly. I really, Heather, yeah, Heather, I really like what you were saying. And Jamie, you hit on this too, but that you do have to be strategic. And it's almost like, you know, piecing together. It's like a puzzle because I noticed for me, like as a mental health professional, like, and especially during, you know, the pandemic, like sessions can be extremely draining and there can Mm -hmm. be like specific couples or specific cases. And as a new business owner as well, like, you know, you were saying, um, Jamie, is that we want to just get people on our schedule, right? Because like, what if we say no, then like, we have all of this fear based thinking, and we can start to spiral. So we have to catch ourselves. But I've really noticed and this is a helpful reminder to me too, like, when I have long days, or pretty intense cases, I have to be mindful to make sure that I have breaks in my day, because I still have to be a mom, I still mm-hmm. have to be a wife. When we were speaking with Gail, she talked about there's only so much creative bandwidth we have Mm -hmm. in a day, in a week, whatever. And I'm sure, Jamie, you hit that all the time. I know I hit that. And so I kind of balance. I've actually taken on no no meeting Mondays and Fridays Mm -hmm. because um, because I the the my mental bandwidth gets tired when I have a lot of meetings. Like I can't take it. So. um, But for Sarah, I can only imagine like the stress especially now with with everything that's going on, I can't imagine having back to back to back emotionally draining sessions one after another after like, I, I, I just don't even know how you do it. And so, I mean, you must have to figure out, okay, there's only so many hours on this. And I know you're trying to like balance parenting and when you have childcare. So you're kind of cramming a whole bunch in a day, but like you have to figure out how to break it up or something. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're figuring that out, but well, I mean, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a whole nother level. It really is. And, and I'm figuring it out as I go, but that is why self care is so important to me. Like, and, so many people and I, I preach this, but like my morning routine, I, I have to be getting up in the morning. I have to be having that time to check in with myself before I check in with the world. And I also, as a breastfeeding mom, I have to admit, like I put spots in my schedule because I am working from home. I, I go and I nurse the baby and I just spend time with him 
while I'm in between sessions. And it really allows me to kind of ground myself, recharge a little bit. But I also have really recognized, and this took me a while, is that I thought for so long, self-care needed to be something that like I'm taking an hour or two hours and I'm setting that time aside. Throughout those days that I have pretty long, intense sessions, taking five minutes, taking five minutes and just like listening to one of my favorite songs or taking five minutes and closing my eyes and doing some breath work, like those types of things, even though they're not this like astronomical amount of time, just doing little things like that throughout the day, that's what gets me through those longer days. I just wrote down something you just said, because it just hit me really hard. And that is, you have to check in with yourself before checking in with the world. Yep. That is really something. I love that. Where am I? How am I? What do I need today? I love that. I love that too. I mean, I feel like a lot of us um, neglect the self-care because of how much time it takes, because you mm-hmm. think it, it's not always going to get a pedicure or going to get a massage mm-hmm. or it doesn't have to be yeah. anything like that, that costs a lot of money or that takes an hour or two out of your day. I mean, it, like you said, it can really just be a five minute thing that just mm-hmm. level sets you back so you can give to somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing because you know, I, I I keep, I don't mean to keep dragging on about this, but you know, I'm in cancer recovery stuff. And so every week I go to my lymphedema physical therapy appointment with Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Um, um, and, um, you know, she's helped me, you know, some days I just say, Oh, I don't have a lot of time or I'm really tired and I don't, you know, I don't want to do So she's like, okay, what can you do in your office chair? When you get up from a meeting, like every hour, do a stretch like this, put your arm up like this, take a breath, like stand up and do this. And so that's what I'm doing. I mean, maybe I'm not getting a full 15 minute, 30 minute stretching session in or weightlifting session, but I have a weight down on the floor and, you know, every half an hour, 45 minutes, I stand up and I do something for two minutes, three minutes, and that's how I get it in. So you're right. It can be like in little pieces, just it's a, it's a mindset, not a, not an appointment on your calendar. 100%. And I was just going to mention that because that's, that's truly what it is. It's, it's how you think about it. So the mindset piece, if you have a narrative in your head, which I did, I had a narrative in my head, just like what Jamie was saying, like self-care is that pedicure going to get your hair done, going out to dinner with someone. I thought like, that is, that is how I'll recharge. If I have a long week at the end of the week, then I'll do something like that. And I realize like life doesn't work like that. And so if I can just do little things here and there, and I started to shift my mindset and I said, you know, this is going to be something, this is enough. And this is for me. And so when I told myself that, then I started to believe it and it started to feel like that. The other thing, and especially right now in the world that we're living in, I think we forget how important touch is. And so one of the things that, and I'm going to try not to get emotional. One of the things that fills me up more than anything is when I'm able to walk upstairs after one of the hardest appointments and I just ask one of my kids for a hug. 
Mm-hmm. Mommy needs a hug. And we just wrap our arms around each other and we give, we call it a big squeeze. And then I've actually noticed that there are times that I can tell my kids are, you know, their temperatures are high. We talked about that in our last mini-sode, um, but their temperatures are high and they'll say, mommy, can I just have a hug? And it is like, I mean, that in and of itself, like, I think we just underestimate the power of touch, especially in the world we're in today. Absolutely. I've been reading a lot about the stress response and how you clear it out and how you process it. And you and I were actually just talking about this yesterday, Sarah, about sometimes it's creativity, um, but touch and hugging. And there's this science behind if you stand and hug with someone for 20 seconds, it can like lower your stress level. And so I've been kind of doing that, like, you know, with my kids saying, hey, let's hug for a minute, just in the kitchen as we're passing by. And it's nice. It's helpful. You know, it's bonding too. Right. So Jamie, what are some like self-care things that you like to do? Oh, goodness. Um, this is a tough time of year to ask me that because things are in, in crazy <laughs> mode. Um, my self-care is not as high a priority as it should be right now. Um, but that's okay. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, something so silly as, you know, Lindsay and I, like we, we have a TV, um, in here in the studio. So she's on this side of the, of the room. I'm on the other side and we've got a TV in the middle and we'll just turn on the office and laugh or Mm. we'll turn on, you know, a funny movie or laugh and laugh. I think I, my husband always tells me that I'm a little, I'm a bit of a loud laugher, but I think that laugh, like nothing feels better than laughing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's so important to laugh all the time. Um, and I don't care who hears me laugh. I don't care how obnoxious (laughs) it is. I don't care if the whole restaurant (laughs) looks at me. Um, I, love laughing really like a deep loud laugh and I, mm-hmm. I I feel like if I can if I can get myself laughing the stress melts away you know mm-hmm. um I also uh spending time with my kids for sure is is definitely you know I like to do the whole glass of wine and have a bath and all of that for self-care as well mm-hmm. I mean I'm, I'm normal but I like a good face mask too yeah. um, but <laughs> I think that I think that um this is a, a bit of a a diversion maybe, but, um, I think that being a working mom, I I put a, there's a lot of stress on, are you, are you doing, you know, if, if I pull the string too far the work way, then I'm pulling it from the family way. And if I pull it too far in the family way, then I'm not doing enough at work. Um, and I, I check in with my kids a lot. Like I feel like I, um, my oldest is very vocal about he's, he's like a very emotional and, you know, mom, I think you're the best mom in the whole universe. Like he's very, very, just says like the sweetest things. And so I, I like, I overly tell him how much I love him and how special I think he is. And, you know, with with Hayes as well. And so I think that, um, me telling them all of that, um, is a stress reliever for me somehow. I mean, that's like my, I I don't know. I feel like my, I like to tell people how great I think they are. Um, and I, you know, I, even my best friend, I'll call her and I, I like to, I like to tell her how good of a job I think she's doing. And like, for me, I don't know why, but that just feels good to do. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if that's a self care thing. Um, but I, I think that, um, with the lack of touch and I'm not, a, I'm not a big hugger, really. I'm not like, I, I could take it or leave it. Um, but recently someone hugged me and I was like, Oh my gosh, that feels good. Like I was shocked Mm. at, at the amount of missing that, you know, you hug your kids Mm -hmm. and your husband and you're used to that, but like actually hugging someone that technically you're not supposed to hug right now. Mm -hmm. 
I, 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 I was shocked at the amount that I've missed that. Um, so I think I've kind of just the positive affirmation thing, I think has sort of filled that void for me right now. Well, Um, and, and it's all personal. Like, I mean, knowing your love language, you know, and trying to figure out like how you feel, how you feel love versus how you show love. And one of the things that I wanted to circle back around, there were two things. So the first you had kind of mentioned, like you're in such a busy season So self-care is less. And I think that that is something, at least in the work that I do, people I talk to, like, that's such a common, common thing for people. And it should actually be the opposite. When we're in such a busy season, that's when we need the self-care the most. Um, And so to just really identify, like, what are little five-minute things, 10-minute things that you can do during those busy times? And then the other thing that I wanted to touch on was when you had mentioned, because I'm totally there with you, and my therapist, thank goodness, I go to therapy. I think I think everybody should be in therapy, but I'm obviously biased. But one of the things <laughs> I talk to a lot of my working mom's about is the idea we again have this narrative in our head that things need to be balanced right Mm -hmm. it's actually about counterbalance it's not about balance it's about counterbalance because there are going to be times that you have to prioritize some things over the other so if you are working you are going to prioritize and balance you're going to be counterbalance by focusing on work and not as much with the kids. But guess what? The days that you are with the kids and you have your full mom hat on, it's going to be off balance. And that's okay. Same with, you know, there's going to be days you're going to have to focus more on the laundry than you are with the bathrooms, right? Right. So, so I think if we change this narrative in our head, thinking that we have to have everything balanced in order for things to be working well. And if we can identify, actually, life is about counterbalance. There's times that we have to prioritize certain things over the other. And it doesn't mean that those other things still aren't a priority necessarily. We still value our children and we're thinking about them while we're at work, but we're still doing a great job exactly where we're at. That That is a huge reason I'm so thankful for the studio. I used to, I used to, you know, my husband would fall asleep and I'd pull out the laptop and I'd work till one in the morning and then I'd be up with the baby and then all of these things. And it just, it started to just, you know, it didn't work. When I'm done at work, I'm done. I'm done. I don't take calls. People say, oh, it works. It works for me to chat at seven o'clock at night. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm giving baths at seven o'clock at night. How can does 10 a.m. work tomorrow morning? And somehow they find a way to make 10 a.m. work, you know, mm-hmm. again, it's all about teaching people how to treat you. Um, but it, I, the computer doesn't come home with me. I'm thinking of getting a different, getting a second cell phone. I'm, I'm going back and forth on that now, but you know, I'm I in feel the like same they're, boat they're, with that. There are so many ways for people to reach us now. You know, they text, they call, they Facebook message, they Instagram message, they contact the website. There are so many different ways for people to be grabbing at you that you feel like you have to immediately respond. And I've had to just say like, you know what? This is, you know, Fridays, typically I take Fridays off. Fridays are home days. They're home days with mom. And that's what I try to do. And so I feel like, you know, because it gives something for the kids to look forward to too, you know, and then I don't feel Mm -hmm. as bad about working all day Tuesday if they get home days with mom on Fridays, you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, it is about that that counterbalance. Um, And I've tried to really sort of say like, you know, whatever hat I'm wearing, 
wear that the best I can, as opposed to, you know, if you're trying to do everything at once, you're probably not doing anything all that great, you know? Mm-hmm. So I've tried to separate it a little. Yeah. So is there any like golden nugget or any takeaway that you hope listeners get from your journey and what you've learned throughout having to set this big, this big hard no? Um, I think that, I think it's important to remember that, you know, I, I, I worry about, I, I put more pressure on myself than probably anyone else. You know, I'll finish a photo session and I'll say, you know, I'll get those two as soon as possible. They're like, whenever, you know, I'm the one pressuring (laughs) myself to get stuff done right away. I'm the one pressuring myself to make, you know, to take all these appointments. You know, I mean, most clients, if I say, okay, I I can get you in a month, they're like, okay, cool. Put me on the books. You know, I, I, I think in life, I just, I do that to myself. I think it's probably a, a pretty common thing in the entrepreneurial world that, you know, you just, you, you set your, you, you have a standard for yourself, you have a goal and you want to meet it. Um, and so I, I put a lot of pressure on myself um, and I'm trying to be better about, you know, not doing that as much. Um, but I think it's important to remember that, that most people do that. You know, I think that, I think that it's very easy to look from the outside and say, Oh, this person has it all together. Look at her. She, you know, I mean, I've had people say that to me, which I think nothing could be more laughable, you know, Oh, you've got your two beautiful kids and you got the studio and your husband and all this stuff. And it's kind of like, I don't, I mean, I still feel like, what am I going to do when I grow up? You know, I mean, I'm 35. I should realize that I'm there, but, um, I, I still, I mean, I don't at any point feel like I have it all figured out or feel like I have it together. So I try to remember that if people look at me, like I have it figured out, the other people that I'm looking at, like they haven't figured out might not either. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's okay to constantly be a work in progress. You can't, I, I'm not afraid of saying, I don't know how to do something and just mm-hmm. figuring it out. You know, mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, society would make you feel like everything needs to be perfect and wrapped up in this little bow. And it's like, okay, so say you get there, then what? You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm okay mm-hmm. with the constantly evolving. And it's taken me a while to get there. I'm okay that things are, you know, ever evolving in my business. I'm okay that things are ever evolving in my family. You know, I'm, I, I feel like it's taken a little while to get there. Um, but I've gotten to the point where I, I feel like I can let up on myself a little bit, you know, and it, it feels nice. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said there because I oftentimes say I'm under construction. And I love so, that. I love and, that. And so, you know, and I oftentimes remind parents, especially as I'm looking at my two you know, little toddlers. And I'm like, I've told you over and over, like, not to do this, but here we are again. And it's like, their brains are under construction. They're, they're still learning. They're not supposed to have this all figured out. And so what I'm, what I'm loving about your story is that, and like Heather had pointed out, you were able to say no to something because it was not serving you at that time. But that no was a temporary no that you were then able to pivot and shift. And then you were able, it was able to be a yes later, but Mm -hmm. you're still learning and growing as you go. And, and none of us, it's, you know, progress over perfection or this idea of like, you know, we're still under construction. And I think when we allow ourselves to realize that there's not such a, like, we don't feel so stressed to get to the end line, because there is no like, end line. It's just 
we just not. keep going. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, especially females in the world, you know, the working world and in and, and the mom world and all of that, I think that, you know, we have to give ourselves the grace that we would give anyone else. You know, I, I would never look at anyone else in my situation and expect the perfection that I used to expect out of myself. It just, I would never do that. So, you know, I think that if you're going to treat this person and this person and this person that way, you most certainly should treat yourself that way. And part of you what you were, yourself. exactly. And part of what you were saying about like your cup gets so filled up when you give affirmations to other people, we oftentimes have to remind ourselves, just like the things that we'd say to our friends, we have to be a friend to ourselves. And so making mm-hmm. sure that we're giving ourselves those, those affirmations as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Jamie, it has been an absolute pleasure. And I am so glad that the listeners got to experience you. Thank you so much for spending this last hour with us. Oh my gosh, this has been fantastic. I love, I love everything about what you guys are doing. I think that it's, it's so, so necessary for people to hear. Thank you. It's been wonderful to hear you're a part of the story. Thank you. And we want to make sure that our listeners can find you. So tell us where can they find you? Um, so our website is um, www.1826photographic.com. So it's one eight two six photographic.com. And then we are also on Facebook and Instagram, just under 1826 photographic. And we are located in Sandusky, Ohio. And uh, we do travel to a certain extent. I mean, I'm up for a destination wedding if anyone's trying to have one. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I welcome anyone to stop in and see the new studio. It's really a fabulous place. We love being here. Um, and we would love to get any of you in front of our camera. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Special thanks to Rihanna Carusis of Collective Reach and the Social Distance Happy Hour podcast, who inspired and challenged us to start this podcast and helped us produce our first episode. Thanks also to our families and friends for all their encouragement and support, and to you, our listeners, for joining us on this adventure. That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness. Logo designed by Angela Giacco of A Pink Sunset. You can find her at apinksunset.com. Music by Gigi Riggs. Until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. 
I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things, from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.